In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Very often the collect, the special prayer set for the day, seems to have little to do with the readings which follow. Not so today. This time it sums up very well what they teach us. In fact, it's almost an agenda of what to look out for as we listen to them. It reminds us that God is the author of all things. And it draws particular attention to the two most important elements in creation, First, God created the heavens and the earth. That is the whole setting in which we live our lives. Secondly, God made us in God's own image, which must mean that in some sense we are like God. And so it follows that in some sense God is like us. In the collect, we go on to pray that we may recognise these facts and understand what they mean. We pray that God will teach us discernment. Discernment involves the ability to see things we might easily miss or take for granted, but it must also lead to our thinking about how we should respond to what we've been taught to see. It's hard to believe that there are still people who suppose that the passage which formed our first reading is to be taken as an historical account of how things came into being. Among other objections to this, the Bible follows it with a very different account of creation. So even those who would cling to a literal view of the Bible have got a problem. But it needn't be a problem for us if we accept that both stories made sense to our ancestors many centuries ago before scientific discoveries provided us with new understandings of how our universe evolved. And we can still benefit from the stories in Genesis, if we read them, as telling us something about God's purposes and our human response to them. The first five days in our reading show us, first, the creation of light, secondly, of sky, thirdly, of dry land and plants, and fourthly, of living creatures. Each ends with the comment that God saw that it was good. In later ages, some would claim that the material world was evil and something to escape from into a realm of pure spirit. But this view is unbiblical and has never been held by the mainstream of Christian or Jewish thought. The sixth day brings us to what one of our Eucharistic prayers calls the crown of all creation, human beings made in God's own image. It's not spelt out here as it is in the other account of creation in Genesis, but it's implied that God and humans are to be friends. A part, and a part of this friendship is God's start sharing with humans something by which, which by right is God's alone. They're given dominion over the rest of creation. In sea, on the land, over living creatures and all plant life. Being made in God's image should, of course, include sharing God's nature, which we as Christians believe is loving and generous. It's to be the opposite of selfish and greedy. Dominion is not a license to exploit the rest of creation, 
to gratify our own desires because it's to be a sharing of God's dominion. It has to be caring and indeed creative. It's when this climax of the creation story has been told that the narrator adds for the first time God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. God is so satisfied that the seventh day is declared a day of rest, a kind of reward for a job well done. Our gospel shows us that Jesus and his hearers were still able to look at their world in admiration and gratitude to God. He draws their attention to the birds and to the lilies of the field whose beauty exceeds the finest splendor that humans, however rich, could devise. And God's provision is not confined to an original one-off event. If grass finishes up in the oven, it'll be replaced by more. Creation is constantly being renewed. We may question the claim that God feeds the birds. Certainly the food they need is part of God's provision, but we know it's not always there when it's needed. The cynic will be even less convinced that God regularly and reliably meets all our material needs. Poverty and starvation are facts we know exist and must not be denied. So how seriously can we take Jesus' assertions? This is where our understanding of our status as beings made in God's image comes into play. We've seen that the dominion entrusted to us in creation is not a license to exploit, but a nature God shares with us. We are behaving in a godlike way when we're inspired by the compassion Jesus shows is God's nature. Then we claim our right and accept our duty to be God's fellow workers. This calls us to respond in several ways as we look out on the devastation inflicted on our earthly home by mindless greed. The imperative to change our ways is obvious to everyone unless they're so deeply mired in sin that they refuse even to acknowledge that there is a problem that demands urgent and radical action, however costly that may be. God has a plan of action and it is, as it always has been, one that uses his human children to work with him in situations in life which are in need of redemption. In case that seems fanciful, we recall that the very foundation of our Christian faith is that it was precisely God's plan to use a human life to restore us to the friendship with him so cruelly shattered by human sin. As our planet cries out to us to throw it a lifeline, countless other situations also call on us to act in a truly human way, that is to remember in whose image we are made. We've no excuse for saying that God is too far away for us to understand and to follow. Jesus comes to us to show us what God looks like in a human life. As we heard in our gospel, he teaches us that we are to look where we're to look if we are to confront the ills and needs of life. 
we are to lift our gaze above the immediate problem, which is beyond us to solve. We are to fix it in self, instead on him and follow his call. Through him we have access to a power and resources we can hardly imagine. What he says we sang in our last hymn, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We gain nothing, he says, by loading ourselves with worries we're not able to take on in our own strength. That way leads to defeat and despair. The only way forward is to yield to his call to follow him, trusting that with him beside us, we'll have the strength to face life and all its demands. We're to start by seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. We're to let God teach us to discern his hand in all his works and his likeness in all his children. In 10 days, we enter again the season of Lent, the ideal time to pay attention to these matters of life and death for all humanity, to discover God's answer to them and to recommit ourselves to making it a reality in our world. The first notice in today's leaflet provides help in doing this and it recommends a book which is a feast of inspiration and encouragement as we set out on this journey. Our goal is quite simply God's kingdom. As we seek it, he calls us into his heart of love as friends made in his image. <clears throat>